Praise the Lord. Let's pray together. Our Father, we come before you once again with great joy because it's time for your word to speak and for us to discuss things of the church. So Lord, speak to us by your spirit. May your word move in us and may we humble ourselves as as Peyton has demonstrated this morning. May we humble ourselves before you as our God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. In 1931, Mr. Butts had an idea. And for all the younger kids, yes, I said Mr. Butts. Mr. Butts had an idea in 1931, and it was for a game. And he named his game Lexico. Lexico. And it was a game in which... The purpose of the game was to derive words out of letters. He designed the game board after the New York Times and the columns and the things that were written and gave bonuses for certain formations of words. Later, he renamed his game Lexico, which comes from the word lexicon, which literally means language or vocabulary. He renamed his game Crisscross Words. And finally, they landed on the name Scrabble. Scrabble is used all over the world as a means of teaching the English language. It is ranked the second best game behind what other board game? Whoever made that is way wrong, by the way. Monopoly. Every hour, it is estimated at least 30,000 Scrabble games are started. Are you kidding me? In 2004, Scrabble was inducted into the American National Toy Hall of Fame, joining other great toys such as Monopoly, Etch-A-Sketch, Lego, and the Game Boy. Tetris, yes. As we think about Scrabble, I want you to think about a concept. Imagine I had a bag full of Scrabble letters. And I asked Eliana and I asked her to throw out. I said Eliana, Eliana, to throw out the Scrabble uh, pieces. What are the chances that a line from Romeo and Juliet would form with those words without Levi going and making any sort of adjustments? What are the chances? One in five? Ten? One in a hundred? Could we get her to throw them out a hundred times and finally, Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou Romeo would form from those letters? Probably one in infinity, right? Randomly throwing out letters and expecting organized thought to form is, let's just say it, it's impossible. This morning, I would like to present to you why the church needs organized effort. In order to produce 
kingdom fruit. The illustration I'd like to make this morning is that unless we have organized and cooperative effort this morning as a church, fruit coming back from the work of the church is nearly impossible. And this morning, I would like to make a rallying cry to those of you church members and those of you interested in the church to consider to become a church member so that we can make an organized and cooperative effort to producing kingdom fruit, something that's worthwhile than just a scattered bunch of pieces. So if you have your Bible this morning, I want to invite you to open up to 1 Timothy chapter 2. And while you're doing that, uh, I would like for Mr. Craig, if you will, to pull up that image that I asked for you to pull up. This morning, I'm going to spend some time um, presenting some ideas to you. Um, Some ideas that our church council have discussed and then setting a framework on which we will move, which I hope we move, over the next season of our church to do kingdom work. Now, one year ago, if you had looked around, and those of you who were here one year ago, you would not have seen the people that you see today. Anybody want to give me a head nod on that? Kingdom work is happening. Kingdom work is happening. But I believe that God is sending laborers for more kingdom work to happen. So as we do that, I would like to do the best that I can. And y'all know I have deficiencies in a lot of them. But to present as best I can as our staff has discussed and as our church council has discussed of some things that we can be doing to organize and cooperate our efforts to do further kingdom work. So that the randomness doesn't just exist, but that we're doing something together. This fall, I would like to, and our church council would like to uh, ask our church to, be, to participate in a Trunk or Treat 2.0, if you will, a revised version of Trunk or Treat with more focus on the, the message of Jesus Christ, the gospel, death, burial, and resurrection. Now, in the past, we have presented this uh, in a way that has had people walking around cars outside. We've had a gospel presentation. Uh, We've had Bible themes and we've had good things. Um, What the church council would like to present and what I would like to share with you this morning is a a furtherance or a next phase of that by using the 10 plagues of Egypt as a way to present uh, to our community and all those who would be a part uh, a challenge And also a way of presenting to them the message and the way of salvation. So in doing that, uh, we would take, and I'm not going to give you every detail this morning, but I'm going to give you at least an idea. We would still have several of the the cars outside uh, doing the things that we've done if they so desire. Uh, That would be something that would be outside as well. Things geared maybe for younger kids uh, and and the things that we've done that people like to do. We have a cookie decorating or cake cupcake decorating. That would still be a part if if so desired and people were willing to step up. The other things that that we've had. But 
But the phase that we would, I would hope that people would get to of those of age to hear and understand the, the message of the gospel would be escape from Egypt. And the plan would be that the ten plagues of Egypt are coming down and you have to do something in order to overcome those plagues of Egypt. So, for instance, plague number one, which is the water turning to blood, we would have a, a set of pieces of wooden puzzle pieces, if you will, in order to build a bridge to make it over the water that's covered red. And we talked about getting a uh, like a cow trough and filling it with water, coloring it red and building the bridge to be able to walk over it where you've got to be as a family, as a child, as a whatever, a group to get over that. Then you'd move on to the second plague, which would be frogs and having to to jump on a uh, on a fulcrum uh, to to launch a frog into a pool, uh, shooting gnats and flies with a Nerf gun, disease on the livestock, popping balloons that look like boils in order to find a message behind there. And all along, we're leading people into uh, different places around our church and even rooms in our church to get them to experience what it would be like for a challenge to be and what do I have to do to overcome uh, you've got the, uh, the hail and the fire. of uh, we, we thought about doing a, uh, an obstacle course, if you will, but we'd have folks uh, swinging balls of hail and fire where they had to make it through, and kids are dodging balls or trying to make it through. Um, so we're getting them to the idea of they're doing something to make it through and escape from Egypt. And then we'll get to the end. What we've discussed is this, is taking our tomb scene. You remember the tomb scene from the Passion Play? If you look behind you, that whole, right past those jail bars, that whole area was a tomb where we had Mary encountering Jesus and and we had this thing. We would take that tomb and, and, and build it back again. And this time it would be a darkness, a room of the night plague of darkness. And in that, we would give them a little flashlight, an infrared, not infrared, but a black light, ultraviolet light, flashlight to go and look for the hidden message in the room or put together that message to where when they finished that challenge, they would open the doors and then they would see what right outside. They would see the cross and present to them that no matter how much we try to escape from Egypt, That the last plague, which is the death of the firstborn. And the death of the firstborn is the death of the Son of God on the cross right outside. And present to them that everyone is under the curse of God. Unless they come to the graces of Jesus Christ, the Son, who bore their curse on that tree, on that cross for them. So this would be the final point of, yes, we've got fun things to do. We've got even a hayride, Dennis, for those that like to ride the hayride, which everybody loves the hayride. But ultimately, people are going to see that it's the firstborn son, Jesus Christ, that ultimately paid the price for their sin. This would be a way that we could clearly present the message of the gospel to everyone that shows up and and, and even point them to redemption. That this church, that's what we want to proclaim. And so church, my message to you as your pastor, 
and representing our church council is we want to proclaim the cross of Jesus Christ to this community. We want, to pro- we want to proclaim that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again because we believe that for eternity that makes a difference. And if, if we're not going to do it, then somebody else will. And I believe we need to be the ones who proclaim that message of Jesus Christ for his son. So that's going to take some work to make happen. It's not going to happen in one afternoon. And so I'm asking if you are able or willing Uh, We are going to make an effort on Sunday afternoons again uh, for several months and building structures for the dodgeballs and building and painting and and doing things that that need to be done to get our church ready for something like this to happen. Uh, There's going to be effort. So I'll be giving you more information. If you're willing to help and be a part of that, please come and let me know. Uh, Send me a text message or come face to face and make sure that I write down your name so that I know these are people that I can count on for help on building, organizing, structuring, these sorts of things. And then uh, I'll get back to you with more information on when and how we can meet to pull all this off. Because as you know, uh, this is not a a pastor, uh, pastor job. This is a church job. This is not a Belinda job. It's a church job. Uh, And we need to be cooperating. So that brings me to the next phase of what we talk about this morning in our message. All right. So y'all still with me? All right. You opened in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Let's go there. 1 Timothy chapter 2. First Timothy and Titus, as well as scattered about some others, are, are books written to church leaders. They're called the pastoral epistles, and they're written to the church leaders in order to provide direction on how to operate church. Now, I'm going to ask you to think, what are the important things that that you think the Apostle Paul told the pastors of the church to do in order to structure the church? So, Sticks, you listen up. You're in the path, in that pathway. What did the Apostle Paul tell the pastors of the church that they need to do in order to organize and frame the church to be a structure for evangelism and worship and discipleship to happen? In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, you've got one of them. So can I ask you, what is one of those things? First of all, then... First of all, then, I urge that what? Supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving made for all people. And then go down to verse 8. I desire that every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. So for those of you involved in being in church, desiring to be involved in church ministry, Let me give you the first of all, and that is that we are a people of prayer. That we have to be people that are praying for each other. Look around, look to your left, look to your right. Those people need your prayers. It was beautiful. I told somebody last night, I'm praying for you today. And they told me I prayed for you this morning. Ah, it just filled my heart. We need each other's prayers. 
And those, praise, those prayers don't just look like make Miss Betty happy, make Kaz happy. No, we're praying, God, strengthen Miss Betty. Strengthen Kaz for the work that you may have them to do. Because we're a church that is, that is a working church. It's a laboring church. And Brother Stephen read that this morning. That there is a labor and a work for us to do. Are we willing to do it? Are we willing to be involved in it? Secondly, he asked us to set up elders and deacons in these pastoral epistles. And the elders and deacons, our Sunday school class is studying Acts chapter 6. And the elders in the church were given and were, were shared their two most important tasks. So my class, what are those two important tasks that the elders of the church must be involved in? Number one, prayer. Number two, the ministry of the word. And that is my commitment to you, church. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to minister the word to you. But it says we must not neglect these things to serve tables. And so they elected servants in the church. Now, it doesn't in Acts chapter six, it doesn't specifically say deacons. But this says they elected servants in the church. Deacons in the pastoral epistles are those who are doing that. But it's not merely the office of deacon for service to take place. It is the work of the church to do the ministry. It is my job to equip the church for ministry. And so I'm asking as we walk down this road for our fall outreach, which is the ten plagues and trunk or treat blended together. As we walk down the road for fall outreach, that we as a church are together doing this so that more baptisms are happening. Because lives are changing. And eternities are changed. And people know God. And new workers are raised up. We don't want Peyton just to sit back there and, and do nothing. We're calling for Peyton to be a laborer in the church. Right? Thirdly, in the pastoral epistles, we see them calling Titus in Titus chapter 2 verse 1. But as for you, Pastor Titus, teach what accords with sound doctrine. There is a teaching that must go on in the church in order to disciple and to equip the people with sound understanding of who God is. What does God like? What does God not like? Who is God? What does God want us to do? How does God want us to act? How did the disciples act? And teaching takes place, and I'm thankful for the teaching that takes place in this church. God has raised up teachers for our church. My hope and prayer is that God continue to raise up teachers for this church and the churches around us. But that God also fill our classes with people to learn so that they can become teachers as well. Man, I stuck my head in the men's class this morning. It was full to the brim. Praise the Lord. Teaching going on. Titus 3.14. He also gives this to the church. And let our people learn. Oh, here we go. All right, now get your toes ready. I'm coming for you. Get ready. And let our people learn to do what? You see it? You see it? To devote themselves to good works. Brothers and sisters in Christ, are you devoted to good works? Are you devoted to good works? Would If someone were talking about you, if your wife, if your husband, if your son, if your mother, 
were talking about you and said, you know what? My son is devoted to sneezing. You're good. My son is devoted to what? My dad is devoted to what? My husband is devoted to my wife. Would good works be in that list of things? Now, I may or may not be going for your toes, but that is an excellent question to ask. What are those good works? Well, it's praying. I got a phone call this week from Miss Mary having some health concerns. Please pray for Mary. So church, pray for Mary. Mary, lift your hand, please. Pray for Mary. You can ask her about specifics. She's had some health problems, so she's asking for prayer. That's a good works. Will you pray for her? We have young adults showing up. We had a young man from the funeral, Ryder, who came to church when I was the youth pastor. He was at the funeral yesterday. I said, Ryder, man, come to our young adults. If we didn't have a young adult ministry on Saturday nights, he wouldn't have been a part. But it's happening because young adults are now coming every week to this church to Bible study and to have fellowship time. And Ryder's here this morning in church. Praise the Lord. Good works are happening. Will we continue? Are we devoted to good works? With all that, uh, I'd like to turn our attention to something else at the moment. With all that said, the challenge for you this morning is, is good works. Are you devoted? Have you committed yourself to good works? I thought I could get through more today. I'm not going to. Let me give you a, an introduction to what we're going to discuss next week. Uh, next week, I will be going through the structure of our church in more detail. Uh, and why we do the things that we do. We have a document, and it looks like this. I don't know if any of y'all are familiar with this document. Can anybody read that? It says plans and policies. Yes, it does. In September of every year, we start a new church year. That's what we call it. We start a new church year. And the nominating committee sits and, and is doing it. Now we met last week. We'll meet again, meet again this week to to recommend to the church people for positions in the church. If you have asked and said, I like to do this to someone on the nominating committee, they are apt to putting you on that type of position to serve officially as the church. Why do we do that? And by the way, nominating committee, raise your hand if you're here this morning. Raise your hand really high. There's Miss Marla and Miss Linda in the back. And I'm on it, and uh, Jay is on it, and who else? That's it. Okay. So if you hear something this week, next week, that you are interested in doing, what do we do? 
Well, we place people on committees or teams, whatever you want to call them, groups of people, in order to facilitate ministry happening in this church. So I gave this illustration in Sunday school. Uh, when you are planting a garden or, or planting a vine, in our backyard, my wife has a jasmine vine that grows and grows and grows. And, and if it doesn't have anywhere to grow or any direction to grow on, it just grows out into the yard and Eli cuts it with the lawnmower every week. That's not true, she says. What we have, it is true. What we have is a structure for that jasmine to grow on. So when it grows up, Allison goes out there every now and then and directs those branches as they grow to where they're growing in the right direction, not toward lawnmower land. When you think about growing tomatoes, you've got these little wire annoying things that you put in the ground and tomatoes grow up or a steak that you put in, it gives direction for growth. And those tomato plants do much better when they've got something to grow up and they can hang those heavy, big, red, juicy Jack Franklin tomatoes, right? That's what the church is. We've got to have a structure in our church in order for us, for you, for me to bear fruit and do what God's called us to do. So in doing so, there's a reason we have a structured church service every week. It's for, to facilitate worship and fruit of your voices singing and of your mind hearing the word of God. And for your knees to experience the prayers. We do all of those things on purpose. We have a Sunday school hour, not just to fill a time slot, but to... Help disciple people that want to learn the Bible. And so come and, and learn what's being taught. We're teaching the Bible. And the Bible is this vital information that is that structure. And so many people, they'll, they'll say, well, you know, it's just, I've got God. I don't need the church. I can pray on my own. I can read my Bible at home. And, and those things are true. You can pray on your own and you should. And you can't read the Bible at home, and you should. But the church is a structure for cooperative and healthy growth. And let me respond to that with, with this in kindness is that is true. And those things are true. You can do those things outside of church. But the church might need you as a part of the structured and cooperative growth and work that we have to do for others that might need the gospel. And remember, your spiritual, your salvation is not merely for you. You were saved to be devoted to good works. And Ephesians 2.10 says that God has appointed them for you to do. And we cooperate and work together as a structure called the church to do those things. That's what our committees are. That's why we're meeting. Last night, our young adults met together and we said, how can we serve the people around us? And we came up with ideas. What are things that we as young adults can do once a month to get outside of the walls of the church to go and proclaim the gospel? And, and we talked about, Brother Stephen talked about eon gelion, which is evangelism or the, literally the gospel. 
And how can we promulgate the gospel? That was our old word that we studied last night. But how can we proclaim the gospel to our community? And as we do that, church, the Lord will send workers to help that promulgation, to help that broadcast. And you may be one of them. Ryder, you may be one of them. You showed up here today. So what do we do with all this? Church, again, would you devote yourself to good works? Are there changes in your life that may need to take place? Some people are devoted to LSU sports. And, and there's nothing wrong with LSU sports. But, but do people say, yep, Keith Horton, he loves LSU football, but he also really loves the church. Are the good works of the church part of what we are devoted to? And when there's a conflict between doing a work of Christ or watching a football game, what do I do? What am I really devoted to? Let me read to you just a bit from our plans and policies to get started this morning. The doctrine of this church... Our plans and policy says this church receives the scriptures as its authority in matters of faith and practice. Do you know that we as a church, our authority under God is his communicated word, the scripture. And where it speaks, we obey. And where it doesn't speak directly, we seek to know, does it speak indirectly? And where there's liberty, we as a church take liberty So long as it is a God-honoring thing to do. Worship. This church shall meet regularly each Sunday morning and evening. And each Wednesday evening for the preaching, instruction, evangelism, and worship of the Almighty God. This church, according to our plans and policies, is a place where its members come for the worship of Almighty God. For evangelism, for instructing, and for preaching. This church is governed by the body of believers who compose it. The structure of this church is governed by the members of the church. And if you want to join this church, you will sit down. I am glad to talk to you and teach you. Here's what is expected of a church member. And there are five things that I will give you that are expected of a church member. And I'll share them with you right now. One is that you be a baptized believer. You must be a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ to be a member of this church. This church is not made up of people who like church. This church is made up of people who are in Christ. People who have been born again. People who have the spirit of God in them and who have submitted to Jesus and his lordship. To say, if Jesus said it, I will do it. And that's what Peyton told me last week. If Jesus said it, I'll do it. And those who have followed that believer, being a believer with baptism, as we've seen this morning, demonstrated to us. This church is made up of baptized believers. And those believers are going to do a certain number of things. One is they're going to live the Christian life as the Bible teaches us to do. 
We're not going to be involved in things that are unchristian, things that are immoral, things in which the Bible prohibits. We are going to be involved in things that the Bible promotes and encourages us to do. We're not going to be involved in adultery or fornication. We are going to be involved in loving our neighbor as ourselves. So we live the Christian life. The next thing it talks about is the members of this church are expected to give to this church. Now, if you've been around the church very long, you know, I don't talk about giving very much, but I do talk about it from time to time as it's necessary. And the members of this church are expected to support the work of this church. I do not expect someone who's not a member to give to this church. There are many that do. And I'm not saying don't if you're not a member. But if you are a member, the bar is raised. You should be giving to the financial work of this church. There are bills to pay, Bibles to buy, supplies for outreach. We talked about as young adults last night. There are books to pay for, for conferences we're going to at 1 o'clock today in Grove State. There, there are lots of things. So give to the work of the church. We have a budget, and it's not where I decide where money goes. Church, you decide where money goes, and we vote on that every year. Every dollar is approved by you, members. And finally, the last thing that a church member does is the church member is involved in the organized work of the church. We do not expect guests or other church members to do the work that we want to do. This is a church that we should take care of our own business. When I go home to my house, I don't expect my neighbor to cut my grass. I expect my son to cut my grass. Church members, are you devoted to the good works that this church is doing? And as we do those works, there are more works to do. I can, t- I can tell you the burden has grown lately of the work of the church. Belinda can tell you. Stephen can tell you. There's more to do lately. But it's not just for me to do. We have people who need rides to church. If you want to help be a part of that, please come and see me today. I've got a list for a rotation. We have people needed in child care still, right? For extended session during church once every so many weeks. You can, once every four or five weeks, you can come see Allison. There are things that Belinda says, man, we just need somebody to come do this. You can go see her. What needs to be done? There are things that need to be done. If you want to do something for the church, please come find one of the staff, me, Stephen, Belinda. We've got things to do. Let us know. We're trying to present to you one of the big ones right now, fall outreach. You want to be devoted? Can you paint? Can you, can you build? Can you build? Can you, can you put bags together with candy in them? Can you find Reese's peanut butter cups? You know they're on shortage this year. Isn't that so sad? Go ahead and buy them now, and I'll test them out for you. Right? This is the work of the church. I'm going to stop right there today. And... And next week, we're going to talk about some of those. What are our committees? What do are, what are those look like? Uh, and, and if you're asked to be on one, what does that mean? If you get a call this week um, from one of our nominating committee, uh, go into your plans and policies 
and read what they're asking you to do. If you don't have a copy of plans and policies as a member, you should. Ask Ms. Belinda. I've got a digital copy that we can share out. Get a copy of this. We can't throw out our Scrabble pieces and just hope something good happens. We need to be organized. We need to have plans. We need to have people. We need to have rules. We need to have direction as a church and watch the Lord use that structure that we're on to, for kingdom growth. Amen? Amen? If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ today, you don't know what any of this means, let me present to you that Jesus Christ came to save sinners that repent. And for all who would submit themselves to him and say, Jesus, I once lived as a sinner. And I once governed my own life. I am giving governance to you, Lord. I will do whatever you tell me to do. I am now under your leadership and your lordship. I know that you came to die on the cross for my sin. I know that without your payment of sin that I am doomed in the eyes of God. I know that I am the wrath of God remains on him who is outside of Christ. John 3.36 tells us. And friend, I don't want anybody in this room to to experience the holy and righteous wrath of God. Because it is something that makes all of the tragedies of this world look pale in its comparison. And I would that you would all come to know Jesus Christ and cry out to him for redemption. But that costs you the governance of your own life. It costs you saying, I will follow Jesus and the word that he gave us and be obedient to him. Will you trust and obey the Lord Jesus Christ? I invite you to come and do that today. To come to the cross and say, Jesus, I know you're the Lord. You proved it by your resurrection from the dead. And I'm willing to give my life in faith because I believe that you are God. And that following you is the way to life, not the way to destruction. If you want to know more about Christianity and what that means, that's the message that Peyton heard. That's the message that Peyton said, yes, I'm a part of that. And that's the message that the church members of this church know and believe. I'd love to talk with you more about that if you'd like to. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for church this morning, that you've led us to a place of baptism, that you've led us to a place of celebrating the Lord's table, and that you've taught us through your word, what, the, what church is supposed to be about, what it looks like, and help us, O oh Lord, to be that structure for kingdom growth to happen upon us. And Lord, we pray, we begin to pray now for fall outreach. Use it to convert souls to Christian faith. We love you, we trust you, God, and we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.